Hello and welcome to Series 5 of the Training for Influence podcast. In this series, I'm speaking to a selection of people, all of whose life has been positively impacted by frontline professionals. Our aim is to thank and motivate frontline professionals to deliver the very best values-led services. So Patricia, it is my great honour to have you on the podcast today. I know that it's been a little bit of a wait for you for coming on. So I really appreciate your patience and I'm really looking forward to hearing your story as well. Thank you so much. I am deeply honoured to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I know it really is our absolute pleasure. This is series five that we're, we're on now with the Training for Influence podcast. And each series has covered something different, but the theme really has been about how much we value frontline professionals and recognize the power that they have every day to help influence positively people's lives, but also recognizing that actually they're people too, and they're under a lot of pressure themselves. So our aim with this series is really to kind of thank our frontline professionals, but also motivate them and help them to see the difference that they can make as well. So it'd be really brilliant, Patricia, if just to start off, you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are and why, when you heard the theme of this podcast, did you offer to come on? Yes, thank you so much, Sammy. That sounds so amazing. So my name is Patricia Wagner. I am a success coach for elites and experts. I am also a TV producer, a singer and an actress. So I help elites and experts who have chosen to not live a mediocre life, basically because they know they have something extraordinary to offer and they want to fulfill their calling, package and sell their expertise and develop their personal brand identity. And I also teach on mindset my program is called the Become Unstoppable Mindset Coaching. And uh, I'm passionate about coaching others to success. And I am so honored to be here today. I wanted to be able to share about me, about my experiences, to inspire others to what is possible, to encourage someone listening to say, wow, I can do it. If she could do it, then I can do it too. Because I think that all of us have something extraordinary to offer. All of us are called to do something powerful in this world. And my mission is to help as many people as possible to rise and to say, I am going to do what I was meant to do in this world. And so I help elites and experts develop and build strong and successful personal brands. Wow, Patricia, is all I can say. You you must be really busy and you talk with such passion about how important it is that people realise their potential. Yes, yes, Tammy, thank you so much. Yes, because I went from zero to hero and I know what it is to living a life that is not what you are supposed to live, to not be the best version of yourself and you wonder what is happening in your life. And to know that you have so much to offer, but you don't know how you can serve your gifts to the world. And because I was there and I overcame and I, and I made it, you know, I am so passionate about helping others to do the same too. Yeah, absolutely. I completely concur with you. It's what leads my life. It's what designed my mission is the exact same passion that you're talking about there. Do you know, sometimes I think when you've walked the walk and then you look back, you feel lucky, you feel fortunate. 
but also you feel possibility. And similar to yourself, there was a time in my life where I didn't think that there was possibility. And so I recognize that that's where other people are sat right at this moment as well. Yes, yes, that is correct. Wow. I, I, I love what you just shared. And you know, people listening to this and becoming inspired, that means that you have achieved your goal and, and that is amazing. Yeah, well, right back at you, Patricia. And I talk in my TED Talk about a lady called Jane who entered my life at a pivotal moment. And she was a frontline professional. She worked at a college at the time. And I talk about her giving me hope and also lots of other people then, lots of other frontline professionals in lots of different roles. Also, some treated me really well and some treated me really badly. And actually, at that time in my life, when I really needed services to be there for me, there were some services that absolutely didn't stand up to their responsibility. But there were other individuals who absolutely did. And it's their teachings and the hope that they gave me that helped me then go on a different path, which led me to where I am today. So I'd be really interested, Patricia, for you to tell us, if you don't mind, a little bit about your story and kind of who helped you on the way and what difference did that make? Wow. Yes, Tammy. Yes, I'm so inspired by your story and I can definitely relate. So yes, I am a successful woman today, but it wasn't always like that. I was adopted at the age of 10 by a family member, separated from my parents, and uh, I moved to France. Once we got there, I was forbidden from telling anyone at school and elsewhere about my real parents. I was told I had to say to everyone that my adoptive mother was my real mother and my cousins who had been adopted with me were my real sisters where in reality, I only have four brothers. I don't have sisters. And so it was a tough reality for a 10-year-old. You know, I couldn't talk about my parents at school. And very soon, I began telling people the truth because it was very difficult for me. But my adoptive mother, she didn't understand she had her rules, her principles, and she believed that if we told people about our real parents, then our friends could tell social services that we are unhappy with her and they could take us away from her. And Just pause one minute, Patricia. I just want to just stop and just reflect and just go, I have a 12-year-old daughter. It wasn't too long ago that she was 10. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Gosh, if I just think about from an emotional perspective the impact that would have on a 10-year-old to deny their parents, to move to a new country, to in essence have a new family. I'm sure there were a variety of reasons which maybe you're going to mention with regards to what led you to that position. But actually just thinking of that 10-year-old in that moment, that must have been really, really difficult for you. Yes, yes, Tammy, indeed, it was very difficult. And I have a 12-year-old son too. And when he turned 10, I was looking at him and I was thinking, I couldn't send him away now to live with someone else. And he's told that I'm no longer his mother. You know, I looked at him and I was like, he's precious, you know. It was very, very difficult. And the worst part is that I could not talk to other people about it. Oh, uh, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, you mentioned there about when your son got to 10. It's interesting because when my eldest 
when she got to the age that I was, which was 10 as well, when some of my significant abuse happened. Wow. It's interesting that they they become a trigger in a way, but yeah. also help to heal. That's what I found because I processed when she turned 10 and that yeah. trigger came out of the blue and I looked at her kind of imagining myself yeah. at that age. Very honestly, Patricia, at that point, it broke me for a few weeks. It really kind of threw me back. But actually, it then enabled me to really process and become stronger and look at my daughter with absolute love and pride. And I hope when you were looking at your son, although it would have been, of course, really difficult and triggering for you, I hope you also had that moment of, wow, look what I've created as well. Yes, 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 Tammy, yes. I relate to what you are saying, you know, I am on the same page. Yes, I had those moments where, you know, I would cry remembering what happened. Then I looked at myself, I looked at my life, you know, and in 2018, I created my first talk show. I was on TV in the UK, Fate World TV for 15 months, and my children were seeing me on TV. And I looked at it and I was like, yes, I can be happy, you know. I have made it and my children are with me right now and they are happy and they are not going through what I went through. And I decided to appreciate that and to continue speaking success into my life and into my children's lives and to continue going in the right direction. So I looked at everything in my life and I was like, no, I'm celebrating. I've not lost my children, you know, because back then, before I decided to turn my life around, Social services have actually started court proceedings to take my first son away. And it was at that moment that I looked at my life and I said, I cannot lose my son. Something has to change. And then by the time we went to court, I had changed so many things that they said to the judge. We are so impressed. She's really changed her life and we don't want to take her son away anymore. So I was celebrating all that and I was like, yes, we're here. We, we have made it. I've got so many questions I want to ask at this point and I've got goosebumps just thinking about that moment where you left your parents when you were 10 years old. You know, I can completely understand why having the courts say, no, you can keep your child, why that was just such an important turning point in your life. And I want to hear more about that. But let me rewind you first and skip you back to that 10-year-old who moved and was in that really difficult and arguably very emotionally abusive situation. And you said that you started talking. Did you start talking to teachers? Was it frontline professionals? Was it friends? How did it kind of unravel at that point when you were living, I guess, this kind of secret life? Yes, yes, Tammy. Yes, I had so many secrets. You used the right word. I had so many secrets. So basically, I would just tell my friends at school when they were, they would ask me, are you really real sisters? And is she really your real mom because she doesn't look like you? And then at one point, I started telling them, no, you know, we're cousins and uh, she's my aunt. She's my adoptive mother. She adopted me and my real parents are in Africa. And so one day we were having lunch together at school with my cousins and someone from my class came in and he started telling my cousins, 
is it true that you're not real sisters and that you've been adopted and that your aunt is like not your real mom? And they started saying, no, we're real sisters and she's our real mom, you know, and they were like, yeah, Patricia told us. And so when they told my aunt, that was, of course, branded as the rebellious one. And so it was difficult because I had to live this other reality at school. I had to be someone I wasn't to please my aunt. And she still wouldn't change her mind and allow us to talk about our parents. She wouldn't. You know, some of my cousins were okay with the rules. They were fine. So they stuck to the story. They, they were always saying that, you know, yes, this is our real mom. Yes, we have real sisters, you know. And so, yes, everything was pretty much dysfunctional. I started running away from home around the age of 14, 15. Got involved with gang guys in the neighborhood. I was very lost. But then I couldn't talk to teachers and tell them, yes, this is what's going on. Or I was just there lost. And the skill I mastered was how to stay strong because I knew I had to keep it together. I knew I had to continue being strong. And so when I started running away and hanging out with those gang guys in the neighborhood, things happened with them, things I couldn't talk to other people because I wanted to be loved. Back then, I wanted a boyfriend. I, I was naive. I didn't know what they were like. And I couldn't talk to people about all the sexual abuse, you know, the intimidation. Labeled as a bad girl and a disgrace by them, they would throw stones at me when they saw me alone on the street during daytime. But then during the night when I was running away from home, at the same time, they were abusive, but they became my escape plan because I hated staying at my aunt's apartment. I hated it. I didn't want to live with her anymore. And at the same time, these guys were always outside during the night and they became my escape plan. So though they abused me sexually, I carry on spending time with them because they were the only ones I can stay with when I run away from home. They were grooming you, weren't they? Yes. So basically what happened is that some of them, like one of them made me believe that we were together. But then it wasn't the case. One day I was passing by and one of them, part of the gang, called me and said someone wanted to talk to me. And so I followed him and I got into the basement of this building in France. Like a lot of these gang guys, that's where they spend most of their time. And there were a lot of men there and I was looking and I was scared. And then they locked the door and they were like, yes, we want you to do something with us. And I was like, no, I'm not that kind of girl. I just wanted a boyfriend. You know, I'm not that kind of girl. I don't want to do something with all of you. And then they did not let me go. So I was there. They refused to let me go. And then they said until I would do something with each one of them because they said I was that kind of girl. They know that. And so it was extremely difficult. I was oh, in the Patricia, how old were you at this point? Uh, at this point, I was around 14. Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry that, that you experienced that. Yes, Tammy, thank you so much for saying that. And you know what? This is where I started to see what the world is really like. I was shocked, you know. I was like, is this really how the world is like? 
And so I was in that situation and I was like, how do I get myself out of this? And of course, I couldn't call my aunt for help or, or things like that because I saw her and some of my cousins who agreed with the rules as someone who doesn't understand anyway, you know? And, yeah. and, and as children, we believe that adults will make the right decisions in most circumstances. And those guys were adults. Yes, yes, yes. But obviously they were irresponsible, you know, they were doing yeah. drugs, they used to go to prison, you know, and that is when I started seeing, you know, how, how things are, how things really are in the world. And so it was traumatic because they didn't let me go. I couldn't go, you know, and some of them started, you know, pushing me and being like, yes, do it now, you know. And I found myself in a situation where I had to do what they were asking me with four or five guys. It was extremely traumatic. And only after that, they let me go. And when I came out of the basement of the building that day, I felt like my life was over. I felt so dirty. I felt so, so humiliated. I didn't know how I was going to continue living. I, I didn't know what was going to happen from there. And I simply went back home and my aunt, of course, was asking me questions. Where were you? You know, you were supposed to be back. And I didn't say anything to anyone. I just sat there with that secret, knowing what had just happened and feeling so dirty. And then I remember telling myself, you have to keep it together. Come on, you have to be strong. You have to be strong, you know, and just keep going. Another secret. Yes, yes, exactly. Another secret. And then obviously the guy's version of the story came out and it wasn't that they locked me with them and they forced me to do something that I never wanted to do. Their version of the story was that, you know, I was a bad girl and that I wasn't a good girl at all. I do things with guys, you know, when that wasn't my identity. When they locked me in the basement of that building, you know, I didn't want to do those things with them. I simply had wanted a boyfriend. Someone would just love me, you know. And Patricia, you're 14. Do you know, take away everything else. You're 14. They don't get to blame you. It was abuse. You were a child. Yeah, it makes me so cross. Makes me so cross. So tell us, Patricia, when did things start to change? Who, who intervened or who did you turn to? What happened next for you? Yeah, so this went on for some time, you know, and then I still managed to pass my E-levels despite the traumatic circumstances, which is the French baccalaureate. And after I passed my E-levels, I ran away for a week. My aunt didn't know where I was, you know. And prior to that, during a summer holiday, she didn't let me go outside for three weeks, believing that that punishment would get me to understand that I had to stop running away from home. But then as school started again, you know, I started running away from home. So again, that was another difficult experience, not being able to go outside the apartments for three weeks. So when I passed my E-level and I ran away, they didn't see me for a week. I was just even more lost, you know, but at least I had passed my A-level. Then she alerted my parents. She called my father. She said, they haven't seen me. She doesn't know where I am. And she has called the police as well. And that is when my father took the decision to come and get me out of France without her approval. He said he's going to do it anyway. And so I never got to share with them everything that happened. He sort of just took me to Germany. And over there, 
it didn't become better. In Germany, I had family members, so everyone was hoping that I was going to live my best life now because people knew my aunt's character and a lot of people didn't agree with the way she was doing things and with her principles and her rules, you know? So everyone was like, now she's rescued. But then I met my ex-husband, started a very tumultuous relationship with him. We would fight, the police would be called, you know, then I was introduced to cannabis and other drugs when I met him, you know, and domestic violence became the new norm with him, you know. And when I was pregnant at the age of 20 for the first time, I was told to have an abortion and get my university degree before starting a family. The abortion was carried out by a vacuum aspiration. That is the most horrible experience of my entire life. I saw the whole thing happen live. It was horrible. It was worse than being sent twice to a mental health hospital because of suicidal thoughts. I was sent there twice for a period of seven days each time. And so, so you moved from abusive relationship to abusive relationship. Because you talk about the abuse that you suffered, the emotional abuse that you suffered as a young child, and then the really extreme sexual abuse. And you talk about still managing to get your equivalent to your A-levels, still surviving, you know. And although I can completely empathise, you know, it would have been your survival instinct, you were still going, you were still managing and, and moving forward in some way. And then you talk about your dad coming. And immediately I thought, maybe this is the point that everything is going to change. And actually, you've gone into more abusive relationships, haven't you? Yes, I have, Tammy. Yes, I did. It didn't get better right away. So after everything that happened with my ex-husband, you know, he was my boyfriend at that time. So domestic violence, then I was pregnant, you know, with his child for the first time. Then the horrible abortion happened. And then I used to have suicidal thoughts because obviously we would consume cannabis all day long. We would consume cannabis all day long, party, drink alcohol. And so the first time I said on the phone, I want to kill myself, the next place where I was brought when the ambulance came, you know, was at a mental health facility. And I spent seven days there. It was in Germany. And again, I was shocked. I was like, wow. So that's what happened when you say you want to kill yourself. And then my father again He's been a key figure really in my life when everything was going so bad in Germany. So at one point he suggested to me, why don't you make a fresh start? You could go to Paris or to the UK. I had actually always dreamt of living in an English speaking country, but then I thought I would go to America one day. And so I had no intention to go back to France because of everything that had happened as sort of once I left, I have not really been keen on going there. And so I looked at the UK and I was like, wow, this is really a great suggestion. So I started Googling things, price, rent, living costs, and the UK became the perfect choice. It became the perfect country. And so I told my ex-husband at that time, we were still just boyfriend, girlfriend, I'm going to the UK. And he said, he's coming with me. 
And so we we left, you know, and we were supposed to make this fresh start. And within six months of that abortion that had happened, I was pregnant again when I arrived in the UK, like the second month, like two months after arriving. And that is my first son. By this time, my mom said, keep the baby. But my life was still dysfunctional. We were fighting my ex-husband and I. The police would be called even here in the UK. We were consuming drugs during my pregnancy. I completely stopped. You know, I didn't have the urge to smoke at all. I didn't drink at all from the moment I found out I was pregnant with my first son. And so after giving birth to him, I went right back to consuming cannabis. And then I found a new crew of Genga in my neighborhood in Leytonstone in London. And yes, everything was still pretty much dysfunctional, but I had this beautiful, wonderful, amazing child. And then with my ex-husband, we were on and off. And the turning point was basically when social services started court proceedings to take him away. Because, you know, my life was out of control. Though I was working, you know, I was still getting drunk. I was still consuming cannabis, addicted to it. And it was at that point when they started those court proceedings that I went to church now and I said, my life is now going to change. I'd like to take a brief interval from talking to our wonderful guest today to tell you a little bit about Training for Influence. We're on a mission to help frontline services easily access quality values-led training. That's why we developed our Train the Trainer program based on the book, Transform Your Training. We run four intakes a year and each applicant is selected based on their current experience level and values. Just like our methodology, we've designed the learning to be personalized, interactive, inspirational, and suitable for both new and experienced trainers to help them develop and deliver sessions either face-to-face or live online. If you're interested in applying for our 12-week blended learning qualification, then please do get in touch. All of our contact details can be found in the show notes. As you've talked through and kind of really openly shared your story, you know, thank you so much for your honesty. But as you've talked and you've talked about yourself, right from being a child through to being an adult, suffering further abuse from your husband, horrendous sounding termination of your first pregnancy. It's really interesting that the turning point for you was when you had somebody else to care about. And when somebody else needed you, because you're talking about a little baby here, when you talk about him, the tone of your voice just immediately turns to love. (laughs) I don't know if you can hear that yourself, the way that you describe him. And you're talking about when he was at risk of experiencing similar to you being taken away from his parents, when something changed for you and you then sought the help. Yes, yes, that is correct. And thank you so much for saying that, Tammy. You you really are even helping me, you know, look at the situation in such a different way. And I'm even happier that I've really made those changes back then. That is really powerful. You are so right. You know, my son was going to be taken away and it was going to be the same story, the same story repeating itself, you know. Except this time he would be taken away without my consent, you know, as my parents, they gave their consent for my aunt to adopt me. 
And that is so true. I could not let that happen. That was the wake up call for me where I said, no, if this happens to me, like I lose my son, he's given to someone else. I felt like there wasn't any greater failure than that in life. Yeah, because you'd been that child. Although the consent was involved, it wasn't your consent as a child. And the emotional impact for you is clearly still there. So tell us what happened when you sought help. Who helped you and what then happened next? Yes, so I went to church. So basically, I knew someone who had invited me the first time that I had a big fight with my ex-husband when we came to the UK and the police would call. I had just discovered that I was pregnant with my first son. And then we had this big fight and then we were staying at the hostel with other people there. And the police came there, the ambulance to check me because, of course, it was a big fight. And, they, you know, they checked and I was fine, you know, and because I was pregnant as well, still in the early stages. And so this girl had invited me the next day to come to church with her after the fight because, like, everyone witnessed what happened. And I was so traumatized that I accepted, you know, but then obviously when my son was born, I went back to consuming cannabis, partying, drinking. And so at that point, when I decided I wanted to change my life, I simply went back to church. I believed that through faith, you know, I would overcome. And so the people that supported me through the teachings, I would attend at several times during the week. I decided to just take on the teachings. What those teachings were saying that I shouldn't be practicing anymore, you know, I realized that I don't need the drugs. And I realized how doing all those things was leading me to live a dysfunctional life. So I sort of was listening to the teachings, taking them, applying them, accepting them and saying, yes, I want to be that woman who's free. Freedom was what I was after. And I wanted to be the free woman who now lives a life where social services are no longer involved, you know. I no longer want to kill myself. I'm no longer sent to a mental health hospital, you know. I wanted to live a very successful life. And so they supported me, you know, to change. They supported me to stop smoking, you know. And it was great. It all happened. I stopped smoking, I stopped consuming cannabis, I was free, I became free, you know. And it's not everyone I met thereafter in the Christian community who helped me. Some people didn't behave well, a bit like what you experience. But because my core identity had already changed, I knew that now I just have to keep moving forward now and just fulfill my calling, look at what I'm meant to do in this world and serve others with my gift and be that highly successful woman. So I had a lot of hurtful experiences, you know, in some of the other churches I attended, you know, I left some other churches and yes, I started working. I started working as a customer service agent, account manager, and definitely just like you said, the people that I met on my journey, whether they were at the company that I work for or in the church, you know, those people who really helped me, they showed me love. Those people helped me change my life, believe in myself and stand up and say, I am going to fulfill my calling. Those people, they changed my life. It's interesting because you've just kind of repeated the same thing a couple of times, which is, those people 
because that's what it comes down to, isn't it? It comes down to people and relationships and building a sense of self that you can be proud of and having the motivation to do that. And clearly at that point, initially your son was your motivation. You were building your sense of self. And then there were people around you that were feeding into that and giving you opportunity or helping you see that you could do it or supporting you to achieve it. It all goes back to people, irrelevant really of who those people are. And it's that that I come back to all of the time that actually what makes the difference is kindness, is actually looking out for others and being that friendly smile or holding out your hand. Or, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's about just not doing something that would make things worse for them. And I know that sounds a little bit silly, but what I mean by that is that there's times in all of our lives where we've got so much going on ourselves that we are internally or externally fighting to survive ourselves and we have nothing to give anybody else. And that's okay when we're in that position, as long as what we don't do is make things worse for other people. Because what goes around comes around. And I've certainly been in that position myself. And now I would hope that I'm in the position where I'm being able to be that friendly smile or that supporting hand because of my life is different now. But at one point, at one point, I wouldn't have been able to be that person. Yes. Yes. Wow. I am so inspired by you, Tammy. And coming on the podcast today has been an extremely powerful experience to be able to share with others the things that we have gone through, that we have overcome is so powerful because when people know that you can have all that happen to you and you can still turn your life around, become the best version of yourself and do what you are meant to do in the world, I think that there is no greater message than that. And uh, I am so inspired by you, by your story. The fact that you are having this podcast, that you are inviting people like me to share their experiences is amazing. And uh, you are right. It comes down to people. And being kind matters so much because I also remember that the people who didn't understand me were not kind with me at certain points of my journey. It broke me. I would cry, you know. And again, I took every experience and I decided that it was only going to make me stronger. And that is why as well, through everything I do in my business, I always, I always use kindness. I always aim to understand people. I want them to feel understood because I know what it did to me. And so my approach is that all those things, those wrong things that were done to me, I aim to not repeat them. I want to position myself in a different way and be a different person, the person who's going to understand others, the person who's going to lift them up, guide them and say, this is the path, you know, write your success story now. Yeah, absolutely. And I can hear that really strongly in in everything you say, you know, and you are an absolute success. And you talk about, like you just said there about the podcast and things, you had a TV show, Patricia, but you know, I wouldn't say that my podcast, your TV show or anything else of those similar vein is what marks our success. 
for me, I look at my children and I look at how they're developing and the life that they're leading and the opportunities that they have. And of course, they'll have their own adversities because everybody does at some point in their life. But there will never, ever be any period where they are like I was and like you described to be from your childhood, desperately seeking somebody to show you some love, some care and attention. My children won't have those vulnerabilities because I deliver it to them in spades. And so do lots of wonderful people that we have around us. It's about changing for my children. I have to say for all of the work that I do and how much my mission is to interrupt the generational cycle of abuse wherever I possibly can. My children come first. And I look at them with absolute pride because with us, the generational cycle of abuse has been stopped. And that's exactly what you're talking about here. Because you changed your life with the help of some other people treating you well and kindly and giving you the support and services that you need, the opportunities that you're offering your children and the life that they're leading you've interrupted that generational cycle of harm and abuse and that's powerful stuff and everything you're doing is helping other people to do the exact same yes yes Tammy thank you so much I am so 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 inspired by your story and I want to know what was the turning point for you for me the turning point definitely was So there were two turning points. One of my turning points was when Jane gave me hope. So I was 16, like I talk about in my TED talk, and she was the first adult not to try and exploit me. And she gave me hope and opportunity. And I restarted my education. So that was the first turning point. But actually the point when actually I healed, because I wouldn't say at that point I healed, the next kind of seven years were their own type of hell. But also lots of good things were happening alongside it. But the point when I actually started healing was actually when I learned, and this sounds like the biggest cliche in the world, but was when I learned to like myself and I learned to love myself and I didn't need anybody else to provide that for me anymore. So everybody that came into my life after that was chosen because I had the basics met. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. That is extremely powerful. That is extremely powerful. And it's all right. You have to let go of the past, you know, and decide that, you know, what has happened has happened. But then who you are now, that is what matters. And what you are choosing to do now in the present, how you are choosing to spread an extraordinary amount of impact in the world that happened. For a long time, you know, I had secrets like the people that I met in Germany. They don't know what happened to me in France. You know, they don't know all the things that happened with the gang guys and what I went through. And so I still had this secret. And I was so afraid to share my story. But then when I started seeing the feedback that I would get from people, how they would say, whoa, you're a powerhouse. You are beyond powerful. What? What? How did you overcome that? That is when I knew I had a powerful story and I was shocked. And I was like, what? But I thought I would be rejected. I thought I wouldn't be accepted. I thought people would see me as someone who isn't a clean person, you know. But then I was like, no, no, no. I look the part. I am this successful woman. I'm going to love myself, you know. And you know what? I cannot change what has happened, but I can share it and show people where I am today. 
and tell them your broken past doesn't have to be your future. If I could, then you can too. Oh, Patricia, do you know, that's so powerful. Do you know, such a nice kind of phrase to think of, do you know, your broken past doesn't have to be your future. And if I can, you can too. In itself, that says everything, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. And back to what you said, Tammy, about, you know, when you started loving yourself, then that's when everything changed, you know. It's cliche, but the truth is anything you want to do in life, you know, if you don't lay the right foundation, you are not going to see success manifest or the success you expect, you know. You have to lay the right foundation to get the kind of outcome you want because your foundation determines the type of outcome you get. And I think that if someone who has been through all those things doesn't start by loving themselves, then, you know, there's still something broken somewhere. And it's only when you decide to lay that foundation that everything moves forward in the right direction, you see. So it's extremely powerful, you know, and it is not to be underestimated because your foundation determines the outcomes you get. And I definitely agree that this is where most of us have to start, you know, who have been through traumatic things and all that, because most of the time it's that old story that is still defining you. But when you start loving yourself, accepting yourself and saying, yes, this happened, I love me, I love myself, that is when you begin changing your entire life. You can't change things without starting where the starting point is. And so I I wanted to highlight just how extremely powerful it is to come to that place where you love yourself, you accept yourself, and you you move on to past things that have happened that have made you feel like you were less valuable. And you begin to see yourself as a highly valuable person who has something to offer, who can make a big impact in the world. But I definitely would say it it starts with loving yourself, self-acceptance. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really interesting, you know, as we've gone through this podcast, you've talked about your story. I've talked a little bit about my story. You've talked about people that have helped you. I've talked a little bit about people that have helped me. And we've both talked about people who have harmed and abused us and been very unhelpful in our lives. But interestingly, none of that is mutually exclusive. Do you know, when we talk about ourselves, we've talked about ourselves as victims, as survivors, as parents, as successful businesswomen. I've been a frontline professional working within prisons, within homelessness services. You've talked about your TV show. You've talked about the coaching that you do now. And actually, when we draw it all back, we're talking about people, aren't we? And we're talking about actually what works for people. And we're talking about the power that each of us has to really kind of positively influence our own lives and other people's lives. Irrelevant of actually the label that we've got, whether that label is working in a professional setting or whether that label is one of the congregation at the church or whether that label is mum or survivor we're talking about the same thing we're talking about fundamentally it's about reaching out supporting people and being kind but that you have to be in a position yourself as an individual to be able to offer that to others do you know when I said my first changing moment came when I was 16 but then things didn't change again properly until Mm -hmm. I was 23 
Well, in that whole seven years, well, I was at college for some of it, university for some of it. But then I was a frontline professional working in a caring environment with a older lady who had physical disabilities and part time in a children's home and then in a young offenders institute. So within all of that time, when I was still broken and still struggling, I was also a member of lots of different groups and doing lots of different things as well. And I was certainly operating at my very best at the time. But when I look back now, I think that actually there was only a fine line between me actually not necessarily delivering the services that people needed because we are people and we're only capable of what we're capable at that moment within our lives. I guess it's about us all recognising that, isn't it? Yes, 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 yes. That is correct. So, Patricia, can you tell all of our listeners How can they find out more about you? Because I'm sure people will want to know not only more about your story, but actually more about your services and what you offer now and how you can help them as well. Uh, Yes, thank you so much, Tammy. So yes, people can find my website at csuccess.academy. And I am also on social media at Patricia Wagner Official on Instagram and on Facebook at Patricia Wagner O. And I am on linkedin.com slash Patricia Wagner official. And basically, my role is to help coaches, founders, influencers increase their expert power by developing their personal brand identity, working with them to package and sell their expertise and show them how to develop an unstoppable mindset in business and in life. So I offer different courses and programs. And so the main focus is first understanding who you are as a personal brand, because every brand needs a personality. Develop your personal brand identity and then help you launch your vision if you want to, you know, create your signature coaching program, helping you do that. But having understood who you are as a personal brand. So that is what I help people with. And of course, you know, it's very dear to my heart to helping everyone who encounters my brand to become unstoppable. Oh, that's fantastic, Patricia. Thank you. And I'm certainly going to head over and have another look at your website and look forward to getting to know you more and speaking to you again soon. Before we finish off, Patricia, have you got any final words that you would just like to say to our listeners? Yes, I would like to say that success is a journey. And it doesn't stop. You carry on until you get to your definition of the top. And once you get to your definition of the top, you set new goals to continue thriving. And I want to say to everyone listening, don't give up. Don't give up. Find the people who support you. Find the people who believe in you. And do your part and continue moving forward until you get to your definition of the top. You have so much to offer. You have so much to do in this world. And the truth is people need what you have to offer. And so don't stop because of the things that have happened in the past, you know, arise and shine, literally. That's absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect ending. Thanks so much for just being so inspirational and for sharing your story with us today. It's been our absolute pleasure, Patricia. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast today. We really hope you found it enjoyable and useful. Please do click subscribe and then you'll be the first to know when we publish the next episode. 
And we'd love it if you could share this podcast with a friend or a colleague who might find the tips useful or resonate with the stories. If you'd like to find out any more about us or our wonderful guests, all the information can be found in the show notes. We really hope you have a wonderful day. And please remember, be kind to yourself. It makes all the difference.